So my name is Zach, and I am on staff here at Calvary, and I've always had an appreciation for how things are made, the craft that goes into something. Uh, the aptly named show, How It's Made, was always something that's uh, interesting to me. You get this little behind-the-scenes peek into everyday objects that we put very little thought towards, and you get to see all that needs to go into the creation of these things, from fire trucks to stamps or socks tape measurers, all of these different objects that we put very little thought towards on a daily basis. When you see the work, the effort, all that goes into making these things, it, it makes you appreciate them a little bit more. When uh, Emily and I were going to get married, it, it was really important to me that I got to see the craft that went into the ring that I was going to be wearing. This was the most important day, making the most impactful covenant that I will ever make. And so I wanted a ring, a wedding band that would reflect this, that would remind me of the significance of the promises that I made on that day. And so I started looking around, and I saw so many wonderful rings, but I kept striking out on the craft, on seeing the process of it, until one day I finally saw one that had this long video that went through every detail of how they selected the materials that they used to the steps that they did to craft this ring. And I said, this is the one. This is the one that reminds me of what I am doing on that wedding day. This is the one that reminds me of how important these promises are. And I get to see how special the process is to make this ring to remind me of those promises. This is the one that reminds me of how irreplaceable this relationship with Emily is until I got rid of that ring for a silicone one because it's more convenient. <laughs> but... We've gotten to see a little bit of that with this study in the book of Hebrews, of getting to see the process. Back in chapter 4, we started this conversation of Jesus as our great high priest. And along the way, we've been talking about why is that the case? Why is he such a great high priest? As we've seen this process of Jesus as our high priest, we saw that in all of us, there is this need to have a relationship with with our God. We were created to be with Him. And we have this need to be saved, to have our sins covered by Him. And, and the book of Hebrews has been showing us how Jesus is greater than anything else we might try to fill our lives with. And what we've seen step by step is that we don't need to try to find anything else to fill our life with because Jesus is sufficient says that he's always working to intercede for us. He's always working to represent us to God. He is always working to bridge the gap between us, sinful, broken people, and this perfect God. It says he's able to save us completely. He brings in a new, promise, uh, a new covenant with promises that are better. He is able to offer a sacrifice himself that completely covers our sins. We heard that Jesus is a great high priest, but we've been spending time to see how is Jesus a great high priest. We've spent time in that process. And it's, it's such a full pass, it's a section that we've been working through. There's, there's a lot to cover in it, but it's one that I think we need to continue to return to. 
in those times where we forget the work that was done for us, in the times when we start to look towards other things to find fulfillment and purpose, in the times that we wonder, is God just far off? Is he removed? Does he even care? In the times that we forget just what needed to go into to cover our sins, we need to return time and time again to this passage to be reminded of Jesus as our great high priest. But now we get to this kind of turning point in in the book of Hebrews, and it basically boils down to this question. So what? Jesus is our great high priest. We spent chapters on that. Now, what are we to do with that? Well, as our passage goes through, it says three things. It says, because of all Jesus has done, let us draw near to God. Let us uh, uh, let us, what's the exact word, and hold fast our confession and let us stir one another up for good works and love. So because of all that Jesus has done, he always wait and works to make intercession for us. He uh, is able to save us completely. He brings in a new uh, covenant. He is able to save us by the sacrifice of himself. Let us, uh, let us draw near. Let us hold fast and let us stir one another up. This is what we refer to as a salad passage because it's so full of lettuce. Don't groan. It just encourages me to do these even more. But let us take each of these let us passages in turn. So because of all that Jesus has done, let us draw near to God. Uh, I'm going to read Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19 for us. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, there's a lot in those three verses. It's essentially recapping everything that we've seen. So we have uh, some chapter uh, 10 in there, some chapter 7 in there, some chapter 8. So because of all of these chapters that we've been going through, verse 22 let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, these four verses, they're so jam-packed, and if we just went to them on, on their own, they'd be good, they'd be a great reminder, but we need to read them in context of what we've been going through, seeing the process of how is Jesus such a great high priest for us, it gets us to this conclusion. And the wording of this may sound familiar, not just from what we've been building on uh, in this argument, in this process, but the entire thing got started. This entire section got started back in chapter 4. Turn with me to uh, Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14, and just, just listen for what language is similar. So we just read 10, 19 through 22. Hear what is similar to this passage in chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says, Since then... We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has, who has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Uh, what do we hear that's similar between those two passages? Draw near, yeah. Anything else? 
confidence. Yeah, so draw near with confidence to the place that God is being talked about in that passage. We have uh, how this section got introduced back in chapter 4 and how this section gets concluded here in chapter 10, making the same argument. Because Jesus is our great high priest, we can draw near to God with confidence. So do that. So draw near to him. We've been saying all throughout that each of us has this plea in our lives to have access to this God. We were designed to be with him. That is his intention for humanity. And yet we as broken people cannot be as close to him as we need to be. So God gave a way for us to have access to him, but it was so limited. It was to one person in one place at one time with much ritual to be able to go and have access to God on behalf of all people. But now all of us can have access to this God, not by anything that we have done. Again, remember what we read in 10, uh, 19 through 21. It is all about what Jesus has done. Because of him, we always have access to this God that we so desperately need to be with. We started with this argument in chapter 4, but as we get to see the process, as we go step by step of seeing why Jesus is such a great high priest for us, it helps us gain a greater appreciation for who he is and what he's done. It's like when we see how a ring is made, it makes it so much more special to us. So as we've walked through these chapters with all of our discussions on apostasy, on Melchizedek, on covenants, on blood and sacrifices, in each of these conversations, we've been seeing more and more of what Jesus has done for us and to grow more and more in confidence because of him. How do we get access to God before? Well, it's all these questions of, am I doing enough? Am I clean enough? Have I done enough? But now it is trusting because Jesus has done enough. And so draw near to God with confidence based on him as a high priest. Because of all that Jesus has done, we are to, uh, to cling, to hold fast him, to persevere. Let me read uh, chapter 10, verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. As I said, there's, there's a couple ways for us to think of uh, let us hold fast. This is let us endure, let us press on, let us persevere. And this has been a big theme throughout the book of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than anything else that we might try to fill our lives with. So let's cling, let's hold fast to him and him alone. There is so much in this world that, uh, that we try to fill our lives with, but none of it is greater than Jesus. We talked about this back in chapter 6, that we all have this pull to go towards other things. That there are those of us who might feel that we've, we've been hearing these promises of Jesus and yet we forget them not five minutes later. We've been hearing of his works and yet they don't come to mind and, and we get pulled to other things. We, we all have it in us to find our satisfaction, our purpose, our values in, in anything but Jesus. That we've been coming to church for a while but it feels like we just have to keep learning the basics over and over again that there are those who seem to be close to Jesus but are now far off. But the encouragement is because of who Jesus is, cling to him. Hold fast. Persevere. 
Well, why? Why is it better to hold fast to God when that is unpleasant, unpopular, inconvenient? Why is it so important to endure? Well, this is why it's important to see the process, to go through all of what Jesus has done for us as we see more of the cost of our sins and how deep the punishment is for us rebelling against this God, as we see more of the great promises that come in the new covenant, when we see more of how we've been able to have access to this God, and in each of these steps that it is Jesus who does these things, Jesus goes and he pays the deep cost of our sins. Jesus brings in this new covenant. Jesus is the one who gives us access to this God. Well, what other response is there than to turn to him repeatedly? Where else could we find the hope that we find in Jesus? As we go through the process and the arguments from Hebrews, 10, or Hebrews 4 to Hebrews 10, we just see time and time again of how much greater this Jesus is. And so what else is there to cling to but to him? And we see that as we go through this process of these chapters. But our passage also gives us two other reasons to endure, to, to hold fast, to, to press on, to continue in the faith. There's a negative one and then a positive one. We'll go negative first. Uh, So for the negative example, look at chapter 10, verse 29. It said, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved for the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? It's not a lot of wishy-washy language in that one. That sounds pretty, pretty, pretty intense, right? But, but this is what we've been talking about. We see as we read through the Old Testament of the punishment that is incurred by those who turn away from God, who choose something other than the good plan that he has for them, who try to find satisfaction or atonement in anything other than the, the way that God has provided for them. So if we do the same with Jesus, well, where else could we go? What other hope is there? What other, what other basis for salvation is there if we turn away from this Jesus, if we do not uh, hold fast him, if we do not endure? Only punishment awaits us as well. So endure, hold fast. That's the negative example. There's also a positive example in our passage. Look at 1036. It says, For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You have need of endurance. We read in verse 23 how God is faithful and God will keep all of the promises that he has made for those who endure, for those who persevere, who continue to see that he is greater than anything else that we might try to fill our lives with. The God who is faithful will keep all of his promises. And again, what have we been reading in this section? I think of uh, the promise that's given in chapter 4, verse 1, to enter into God's rest. He will keep that for those who endure. I think of in chapter 8, in verse uh, 19, 6, not even close. In chapter 8, verse 6, we hear of, of the promises that come in the new covenant and how they are better promises, and God will keep those for those who endure. I think of uh, what we read last week in chapter 9, verse 15, about these promises that they are an eternal inheritance. They will not go away. 
They will not be stopped. God will faithfully keep those promises for those who endure. So what we see in all of us, that we all have a need for endurance. We all have a need to cling to this Jesus, to hold fast to him because there is a temptation to fill our lives with anything else. And yet we know that this endurance is better because he is a great high priest, as we've been seeing in the promise, that there are negative consequences for those who don't, but this is a God who is faithful, and as we faithfully follow after him, he will always do the same for us. And finally, because of all that Jesus has done for us, let us stir one another up for love and good works. Look at verses uh, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we are called to to, uh, draw near to God. We are called to hold fast, to, to cling, to endure in Him. Well, how do we do this? We meet together. We come alongside as Christians. We have a need to help each other to draw near, to endure. God has done all the work. God has given us all the means and justifications for drawing near, for enduring. But that is not the only help that he gives us as well. When we gather together as Christians, we are participating in the power needed that Jesus gives to us to live the life that he calls us to until the day that he returns. It says to consider, to ponder, to always be thinking about the ways that we can love each other. When we come together, we are called to love other Christians. And uh, quite frankly, without the power of Jesus, it is difficult to love some of the people that we are gathering together with. And this is where I think it's, it's so uh, special. I, I love this quote from this book. Uh, it's called Rediscover Church. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more later. But it talks about this, about how when we gather, it is the grounds, it gives us the, the ability and the times to love each other. Let me, let me read this for us. It says, think about it. Maybe you struggle with a hidden hatred towards a brother all week, but then his presence at the Lord's table draws you to conviction and confession. You struggle with suspicion towards a sister, but when you see her singing the same songs of praise and your heart warms. You struggle with anxiety over over what's happening politically in your nation, but then the preacher declares Christ's coming in victory and vindication, and you hear shouts of amen all around you, and you recall that you belong to a heavenly citizenry, allied in hope. You're tempted to keep your struggle in the dark, But when the older couple's tender but pressing question over lunch, how are you really? Well, it draws you into the light. See, we are called to love each other, to ponder, to always be thinking of ways that we can love other Christians. And when we come together, it breaks down those barriers that would otherwise make love impossible. As we see people struggling to follow after this Jesus in the same way that we struggle, as we see people who are turning to him as the only means of of fulfillment and purpose, it helps us to do the same and to care for them all the more. We are called to love each other. We need to help each other to endure, to draw near to God. And that only happens when we are meeting to encourage and care and love. 
It says also to always be thinking about uh, how we can stir one another up to good works. I think of some of our uh, women's Bible studies or life groups that are seeking ways that they can serve together because of what Jesus has done for us, because Jesus has done so much for us, we seek ways to care and support those he has placed in our lives. So why we're doing Heart of Advent. The entire reason behind it is we want to put ways to, to, ser- to serve and care for others, to do these good works in front of each other because we have been so shaped by him. We are seeking to care for other people. It's why we want to give of our time and possessions and, and finances to uh, Afghan refugees who are being resettled in our community to a partner with Step Seminary in Haiti who is faithfully preaching Jesus there, to, to help support families right here in Thornton who are going through time of, uh, times of difficulty. We're called to stir one another up to good works, and so we're always trying to put uh, things in front of us that help us remember who Jesus is and what he's done and how we are so impacted by him. We care for others as well. We have a need to draw near to God. We have a need to endure. And the way that we do that, the hope that we have to continue in those things is we meet together with other Christians who help us do those things, who are constantly pointing us to this Jesus, who are helping us remember who he is and what he's done, that when we gather, we are participating in the power to live and endure in the Christian life. But I think we miss this. There is so many reasons to not gather. Maybe it's a a thing of convenience. Maybe something else is in that time slot instead. Or or maybe something comes up that just can't possibly wait another day. Or uh, quite frankly, there's something that's more fun on offer instead. As we gather, maybe there's parts of what we do that we don't like. Some parts go too long, other parts go too short, or uh, my, my personal favorite part of the worship service isn't even offered here. You can find better preaching online. You can find better music on Spotify. And whenever you come here, oh man, people always try and talk to you. <laughs> there are so many reasons to avoid gathering with other Christians. But as we do so, there is a warning in this passage. We are to not neglect meeting with one another. And again, it's, it's looking at the flow of thought. It's looking at the process. We are called to draw near to God. We are called to endure in the Christian life. There are so many things that could pull us away from him but without the gathering of other Christians, without having people who are seeking to do those same things as well, without the encouragement and the love and the reminder to do good works, without constantly being pointed back to what we've been seeing Jesus as our high priest is like, we have little to no hope to expect to endure in the Christian life. This is what I want us to get, and it's so important I want to read it. Those who intentionally and consistently avoid, the gathering, uh, avoid gathering with Christians are unable to fulfill the commands of Scripture and have little hope to endure. Let me give it again. Those who intentionally and consistently 
avoid gathering with Christians, are unable to fulfill the commands of Scripture, and have little hope to endure. So what does that mean? I'm not talking about when you miss that one Sunday, I'm going to come to your house and be like, why weren't you here? This is a pattern. This is an intentional decision. It, It is when we are constantly missing the gathering of Christians, it isn't that uh, I, I need you to be here for my sake. It's we need to be here for each other's sake, for ours to grow in following after this Jesus, to be able to do the role of helping others to follow after him as well. When we are intentionally and consistently missing the gathering, we are missing the lifeline that's given to us to live the Christian life that we're called to do. And so what do we do? Well, we gather. It's why we have this here on Sundays. It's why we have life groups. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why students have CSM on on Wednesdays. It is a time that we come alongside other Christians to help and support to live this life that Jesus calls us to live. It's it's what we seek to do here on Sundays. It's why we offer uh, the, the Word of God preached. It's why we have songs of praise where we can respond to this God who's been so faithful to us throughout the week. It's why we, we have times that we can get to know those who are in this church as well, who can know us and be a support there. But there's only so much community that we can build in a lobby over coffee and donuts. And so get in a group. We offer these as places where you can know and be known by other people who can see you and know what you're like and know how to support you in those. Uh, That's why we have these on offer, so people can know who you are. We all need this. We all need those people who can just see when something is off, who can see when things are going difficult for us and just know how to respond. Oh, I see this was a a really tough week for you, so I brought burgers and Back to the Future 1 and 2, but not 3 because that's awful. We need people who know us that well, and this can only happen with, with time, with consistency, with participation. And so we need those things from other Christians, and so we need to invest those things in other Christians as well. We are, uh, are given a wonderful gift in order to persevere, in order to follow after him, in order to, to live this life that Jesus has called us to, and, and we are given an incredible help in order to do so, and it's the people that God has placed in our lives. We'll continue this idea next week as we go through chapter 11, where we have these examples of faith and how they are given to us. As we read through the Old Testament and we see how they're following faithfully after God, it helps inspire us as well. And those are good. We need those stories. But we also need others who know us that well, who can be a help and support for us. We need people in our lives. We might say, well, I can come to Jesus completely on my own, just like the Apostle Paul did. And you know what? That is true. He came to Jesus. Jesus just appeared to him. But what was he told to do immediately after his conversion? Go to someone. Have someone else in his life, Ananias. This is why he never traveled by himself, because we all need the help and encouragement that comes from other Christians to live this life that Jesus calls us to live. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we're called to draw near, we're called to hold fast to him, and the means that we're given in order to do those things are other Christians that are placed in our lives. 
if you or, or someone that you know in your life is struggling with this, of, of seeing the church as important, of, of seeing the church as, as essential for your life, we, we want to be a support in this. Uh, we want to be a help uh, with, with helping to see just how impactful this verse is, not neglecting the gathering of other Christians uh, because this is so important for us to have any hope to endure in the Christian life. We're, we're so grateful that over the past couple years where this world has just been crazy to be able to do part of what we feel God has called us to do, to have online services, to have home groups. These have been really good things, not as a long-term solution, but as a little bit of sanity in a, in a crazy world. And now we're, we're seeing some of the drawback from some of that, the convenience that was there. The, the lack of uh, commitment made it easier on people. Uh, and it's not as though the, the pandemic created something new. It's just reawoken what we saw before, that there's plenty of reasons to neglect in gathering before, and there still are today. But what we see here is the importance of the gathering. What we see here is the importance of having other Christians in our lives. What we see here is the lifeline that's given to us to endure in the Christian life. So if you or someone that you know is struggling with seeing how essential church is, please talk to someone on staff. It's why we're here. It's why we're a support. Again, it's not to, to get a ton of people in here to inflate our egos of, of, look how many people are going to Calvary Bible Church. No, it's because we need you in our lives to live as Christians, and you need us in your life to live as Christians as well. We have some books out in the lobby, and I read from it earlier. It's called Rediscover Church. They were given to us, and the entire purpose of the book is just talking about what is a church what happens when we meet, and why that is essential for our lives. If this would be beneficial to you or anyone else that you know, we got 15 or so copies out in the lobby. Grab one, take it. You don't even have to ask. Use it. That's what they're there for. Because here's the thing. If we are neglecting these things, drawing near, holding fast, stirring one another up, it is a demonstration that we miss on who Jesus is and what he's done. If we are not doing these things, it is showing that we do not see the process of him as high priest, of him who has paid the ultimate price for us to be saved, of him who has brought in this new covenant and the better promises that are there, of him who is a high priest forever so he can always intercede and he can save us completely. If we are missing on drawing near to God, on holding fast to him, of enduring, and of meeting together, of encouraging one another, of stirring each other up, it shows that we do not see the process. And where else can we go but to him? For only he has the words of life. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that you have done it all. You gave us the means to have access to God. You gave us the means to have our sins covered and paid for. You are the one who brought in this new covenant. You have done it all. It is all because of you. So as we see this story, help us to grow more and more in appreciation and love for you. 
And because you have done these things, it causes us to have confidence to draw near. It causes us to have the means and motivations to continue in faith in you. And yet you have done even more than that. You have given us, the church, other Christians who can encourage us, who can love us and help us to love, who can do good works for us and help us to do good works for others. And you have given us the power to live the life that you have called us to live. Help us to continue to see how vital it is to have other Christians in our life. Help us to have other places that we can, we can come alongside other Christians, either as a participant here in groups, as a leader to help in those areas as well. Always to see that this is a time that is essential because here we are following after you. Here we are given strength and encouragement. Here we are pushed and pointed back towards Jesus who has done it all as our great high priest. It's to you and you alone we pray.